Welcome to the International Career Couples Podcast. This is your host, Kate Galloway. As an expat, now a repat, and a coach, I hope this podcast helps expat couples who want to align and grow both their careers. Drawing from the experience of international career couples and experts, we aim to explore how expat couples can work as a team to understand and balance their personal and professional goals while living on the move. In this episode, I'm speaking again to Adrian Cartwright. You may have caught Stacey and Adrian's episode, episode 12, where we heard more about their story, um, how they came to be in Dubai and how they're making life as an international career couple work for them. Today, we're speaking to Adrian in a professional capacity. He's a financial advisor based in Dubai. And we'll put all of the contact details for Adrian in the show notes. Adrian's really here to talk us about what some of the challenges or what are the main challenges that international career couples or expats might find. What are some of the things that we should just be getting right? Um, there's something in there about actually knowing where your money is and living within your means, which sounds very basic, but um, I think Adrian explains it in a really um, sort of practical and well thought out way um, that makes understanding finance um, easier for us. For me, it's a bit of a call to understand your finances and to plan for the future. I hope you enjoy this episode. So for this episode, we're speaking to Adrian Cartwright, who's an independent financial advisor based in Dubai, who's going to share some information, perhaps some experience about um, what international career couples might want to be thinking about from a financial perspective. Um, Adrian, I said to you earlier, that I feel that Ian and I should have spoken to you years ago because we've just done this repatriation back home and are now yeah. kind of looking around going, we really need to take a look at our finances. So I suppose what I'm interested to hear is a little bit about what you do, who you who you work with, um, and if you've got any hints and tips around what people should be looking at to take care of their financial side of things. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm... I guess the first the first thing to highlight is that um, it's it's quite difficult to be generic about the subject really because mm. you know every everybody's different everybody comes from different backgrounds everybody's got different sort of you know even cultural beliefs and and, and things they value and, and things they don't value and you can see that within within couples themselves as, mm. <laughs> as well as amongst, amongst people so there's not it's quite difficult to be to be generic about the job, but I guess in you know if you were to label it, I'm a I'm a yeah I'm a holistic financial advisor, and that um, that can encompass a, a number of different areas for people um, from really really mundane and simple everyday stuff like um, foreign exchange, i.e. The, the the method of moving money across across countries and trying to save money on that um, to offshore banking and, and, and wills and stuff like that to sort of more complex um, pensions and, and lump sum portfolio design and then everything in between mortgages, properties. Uh, <laughs> it can it can cover a, a sort of wide range of different areas. That's, that's why it's quite difficult to be generic about it. But they're mm -hmm. the they're the sort of things that we that, that we look at for people. And it's more about planning, right? It's about developing a financial plan for somebody to perhaps repatriate um back to back to the, the home country or or whatever whatever it is that they're planning for. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. So I'm hearing you say it's, it's difficult to talk generically. And from that, I would gather that when you work with people, you're looking very much at their individual situations and their situations as a household and as a couple. I suppose one of the things that I'm kind of curious on, having been an expat over the course of 15 years or so, is what are the things that people should be looking out for? I don't know if, if it's even possible to generically talk about something like that. But if you're, maybe if we can talk at a different area, times of the expat life cycle, like when you're becoming an expat, are there certain things that you would be saying, like, this is what you should be taking care of? I, 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 I could, I'll actually answer the question directly. Okay. <laughs> I not necessarily split it into cycles. I think there's two things that I'd always say to um, to avoid, and you see them massively. I don't know if it, I've only ever been an expat in Dubai, really, so I can't speak for you know being an expat anywhere else. But in, in Dubai, keeping up with the Joneses is a massive mentality, and it's mm-hmm. just an, an, an error. You know, you always see somebody else, and you get a perception of how they're doing, and you you, you know you'll you'll build your idea of, of 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 perfect in your head and how everybody else is matching it and how you're not. And then you you strive to 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 get there, right? And you you overstretch and and, and end up just doing yourself a financial uh, disservice. And actually, what you never see underneath the bonnet is that they're all doing the same thing. Um, and so that sort of keeping up with the Joneses mentality is uh, dangerous and generally just a complete facade, anyway. Um, so you do tend to sadly see quite a lot of that here. Um, and then I guess the other thing that I tell everybody to do is uh, budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I meet, mean, I'd say probably 80% of the people I meet, um, as families, you know, who can be very, very senior right, right the way down, they, they don't actually fully understand how, how much money they actually earn mm-hmm. and, and how much they, they spend and then what, what's left. Um, not many people really a particularly effective budget um and ultimately you know that's the foundation of all financial planning isn't it without that how can you how can you move on if you don't actually know what's going on going out um so those are the two things i'd say definitely do avoid keeping up with the joneses and do with a budget yeah they both sound so simple and they are well (laughs) having having lived in dubai i can see how both of them are um especially the first one how it's really happens for people because there's there is an apparent amount of holidays and cars and this that and the next thing going on and big birthday parties and all that kind yeah. of thing. so yeah I can see how people get dragged into that and it does sound simple but I'm not sure that it is that simple for everyone it's obviously not right otherwise nobody you know it wouldn't happen but but um but in theory it's pretty simple isn't it to say you know live within your means of course in practice it's not because you know lots of people have credit card debt and personal loans and all the rest of it but um unmanageable personal debt i should say but personal mm. debt if it's manageable it's fine but it is it, it is simple to say it isn't it it's sort of putting it in practice might not always be yeah, simple, but I guess it's a cultural pressure um, that you have to just try to block out if you can. And I would always encourage people to try and block it out because, yeah, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, he owns a 
pretty well-known garage over here. And there's been a Bentley sat in there for a little while. Um, I've seen a couple of times that I've been down. And I sort of said, you know, what's going on? Does it need you know, a massive overhaul or why has it been here so long? He said, no, the, the, the guy who owns it can't can't afford to pay for the work it needs to do. Oh. So that's a, a fairly good indicator of, you know, a lot of this stuff is just borrowed, false. But, and yeah, but budgeting is right, yeah. I mean, you've lived here. It's not easy to keep tabs on all the brunches and... <laughs> school fees and uniforms and yeah, tickets yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff, uh, all the all the um the trimmings as it were i suppose that advice runs whether you're an expat or not an expat yeah yeah for Apart, sure. i mean perhaps in dubai the kind of keeping up with the joins thing might be a little bit more in your phases in some areas of the world is there is there anything like from expat specific that you would say um i don't know where you're talking about kind of transfer of monies if you both got a kind of maybe there isn't but i'm just kind of curious is there anything else that people might be looking out for to be a bit more savvy about what they're doing yeah i guess that um those things lead, lead on to, to other things so so when you're an expat well I, again I, i'm only speaking about this this part of the world there are other parts of the world where this wouldn't be true if you're an expat but when you're an expat here one of the things that happens to you in the UK, you know, you got to work every day. Somebody somewhere puts money into a pension fund for you, including the government, and, and that um, that money gets squirreled away for you, invested within a certain set of rules and regulations, and then one day you can have it when you when when you're older. When when you live and work in, in Dubai, that doesn't happen anymore. So you might get something called gratuity, which is basically a certain amount of pay for a set number of years that you've been at the firm, and they are sort of formalizing that system a little bit more now as well. So even that gratuity can be invested for you on a, on a monthly basis as, as, as you're working there. But if you were to compare that to the sort of pension scheme model that you would be used to as a, um, if you're from the UK or, or anywhere else in Europe, the amounts would be considerably different. And, and I guess there's, it's about, I, I've done some videos this on, on, on my own, um, website stuff but it's about remembering you know that the onus becomes uh on you to to plan for those things and think about that future and and you know if you're not as i said earlier if you're not running that that budget um in order to know what's surplus then how can you possibly do that that plan for that future but the onus becomes very much on you to do that because your company aren't going to do it for you. The state are no longer doing it for you as a backup plan, although as a Brit, you can still contribute to UK state pension. But um, but yeah, I guess that that's something that all expats in this part of the world are going, are going to have to do because they're, they're no longer uh, getting that provided for you by, by their employer or indeed uh, an uplift by the state. So mm. that, that tends to be fairly generic. Yeah. Uh, across across yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your website there. Um I was taking a look at it. Um it does look like there's a lot of useful videos and information that people can go and take a look at. Hopefully. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it is like and I saw the video that you were referring to there as well. Um and it's adrian cartwright.com and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yes. So really what I'm hearing from you, I think, is sort of take care of the things that might seem obvious, but really take care of them yeah yeah take care of the things that are obvious and really take care of them is, is, is not a bad uh, not a bad <laughs> sort of statement yeah and it's, as i said it's one of those things that when when you're not an expat 
So I was in the army before I became an expatriate. And when I was in the army, at some point, somebody put a piece of paper in front of me and, and I wrote my name on it and that was my will. And then at some point, somebody else put another piece of paper in front of me and I signed it and that was my life insurance. Um, and then every month I'd get paid and some of my pay would be taken away and put somewhere else and that, that's mm. my payment scheme. And all these things just sort of happen um, without me as a, you know, early 20s, mid 20s uh, soldier having to having to ever think about it. They stop happening for you when you, you know, when, when, when you move overseas. But that, but that doesn't mean that the requirement to have them has gone away. Yeah. It just means that you've now got to be the one to... To, to action it and then and when you're actioning it I think maybe people don't do it because they sort of don't necessarily know how to mm. or know where to start um, and that's where I'd say well you know we'll, we'll sort of show you how to help you figure out how much life insurance you need and how much you should be saving in order to replicate what you'd have had if you if, if you were somewhere else um, and, and, and sort of it's not Again, Maria, so maybe it's simple, um, but it's not overly complicated to, to to plan it. Just the same way as planning anything it doesn't necessarily have to be overly complicated if you break it down and apply troops to task is what we used to say in the army. Mm, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same same concept anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, you make it sound easily easy to do, which is probably why you're very good at your job. I don't want to turn this into sort of like an <clears throat> advisory session for us. But even things, <laughs> even things like the buying and selling of houses and the timing of it. Um, so some people will come to Dubai, they'll have sold up at home and they come to Dubai and they buy a house there or they rent and they hold on to that and put it somewhere else. Our version of doing that is that we decided to buy, sell the house as we were moving home and buy a house. That's a separate podcast. Um, <laughs> but as I, I mean, We've kind of said all the way through, really, it would have been helpful if we were speaking to a financial advisor about those decisions, because we don't have that kind of knowledge ourselves to kind of run past it. Like, this is what we want to do. Is it the right decision yeah. that we need to put in place to make it the right decision? What about timing of it? All that kind of thing. We've got other friends who've just um, sold sold places and have bought smaller places to keep an investment in the UK and then they're sitting kind of wondering what they're going to do with the rest of that money as well. So it's it's kind of, I feel like the complexities of that maybe are a little bit more heightened when you're expat, rather than if you're just kind of in your own country saying, oh, we might move house now, or are we going to move to a different area of the country? It's a bit more complex. When, but maybe I'm wrong thinking that, maybe from your standpoint, <laughs> it's not more. What do you think? I mean, is it more complex or... Is it just the same, but with different ge- geography? No, the, the the rules are different uh, for an expat. So you know, if you you if you uh, buy a home in the in the UK when, when you're an expat, you pay different levels of stamp duty and all the rest of it. If you if you sell a home, um, so I could have, you know, we could have chatted about it. if you sell we a home as an expat. <laughs> don't tell me. Then, <laughs> then there are certain uh, capital gains tax allowances that you can make use of that perhaps might not have been applicable if you if you're a resident. I guess that you know these things are constantly changing as well, and, and you know it, it's my job to to read the news and and listen to Jeremy Hunt being the latest chancellor and, and understand what he said and how it's going to impact people. It's not something that necessarily you know most people are going to do on their weekend. They're not maybe maybe lots of them do, but but lots of them probably don't just pick up the FT, read the budget, and think, oh, 
how does that impact my financial planning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and if they did, then, then great. And if, but if everybody did, I wouldn't have a job, would I? So <laughs> I guess like any service provider, um, it's it, it's it's one of those things. You know, you, you could all we could all go out and figure out how to how to build engines and fix cars, couldn't we? And then when the car breaks down, we could just do it ourselves. But are are we likely to do that? Uh, no. So. Yeah. It's it's simple if you have learned how to do it and then um, practice it every day. I, I guess it's not so simple if you if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just thinking um, of in my my time working. We've been in the UAE. We've been in the states. I've been in HR roles and I've done international HR as well. Um, and you're saying there, you know, when you get to expat status, it, it, the onus is on you really to take care of things especially yeah. going to dubai and you don't have kind of like pensions being taken care of and things like that as well from my point of view having worked in hr to get quite friendly with your hr people if that's still being taken care of uh, i have a very good friend who used to read the tax book uh, the hr um lady that was in the office next <coughs> to me because she really wanted to help people that were in her population that were expatted and what have you but not everybody does that not everybody no, has the ability no. to kind of, I mean, I would look at the tax book and it would just kind of go fuzzy in front of me. But it's, to, I suppose, to properly understand, and this comes from the company point of view, to explain it well, what's still sitting with the company, what they're still going to assist with, but for you to understand what's not within that remit anymore, what's changed in your employment and where it is more complex to go and get help so that you can understand. And in some cases, there'll be financial advice offered with certain companies but i don't think that's a kind of standard across the board for people yeah correct it's not it, it, it's not something that's I, I would agree it's not standard across the board for, for for people no and are they going to you know a lot, a lot of larger companies might use one of the big four a deloitte or something to to help expatriates move over which is great but you know are deloitte going to go down to that sort of personal level and say, oh, we'd recommend that you bank offshore with this person because of X, Y, Z reason. We'd recommend that you look at this level of life insurance, set up a foreign exchange account with this person, save money on your, on your FX transfers. They're, they're probably not going to do that that level of detail. They, they might be able to say, yeah, move your pension that you accumulated in, in Spain with the company. You can put it here and we can put some kind of wrap around it so that you can do X, Y, Z. But but they're not going to make it a, a sort of uh, a, a personal thing. And, and as I said at the, at the beginning, it's pretty difficult to be generic uh, about about the topic because every family is different, every set of circumstances is different. What people want at the end of it is is very different, and what what they value is is going to be very very different as well. And you know they might not have had the even within the family they they might not have had the conversation. They might sometimes you find out as you're doing it that they differ. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine we probably really have some similar conversations with clients at times. One of the one of the exercises that I would do, do with clients as individuals and um, as as couples actually is to do that sort of we call it the rocking chair exercise. And I bet you do the same thing, but you might not call it that, which is. You kind right. of you imagine you're at the end of your working career or kind of you're sitting on the stoop as it were looking back over what's happened yeah. what's in front of you 
and what have you been able to do and what do you have sort of have left as it were what what is it to pass on or is it that you've you're you're using as it as it were and that's really interesting to hear two people's different versions of what that looks like yes and then to try and put it, <laughs> and then to try and put it into a financial plan yeah exactly and you know what does it look like as i said it's going to be very different for everybody right in terms of even the location so really common over here that shall when if you're on that rocking chair where, where do you see yourself sitting where is the stoop and, and instantly both people will answer and it's different yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But of course, I'm not a I'm not a marriage counselor. Yeah, it's then you're a relationship involved. coach all of a sudden. <laughs> um, it's, it's for me. It's just yeah, the plan of uh, at that point you just say, okay, well, we need to you know maintain some level of flexibility then, and, and, and that's fine. So the right product to achieve that, um, but ultimately the the requirement to have an income stream isn't going to have gone away. Um, mm. it doesn't really matter where it is, I guess. Yeah. Adrian, thank you so much for speaking no to us today and having listened to you and having been an expat for a few years where we've not been very savvy like this, go and speak to Adrian <laughs> or wherever <laughs> you are. Or I suppose, I mean, I was going to say, you've got clients globally, not just in Dubai. Is that right? Yeah, globally. Um, as you know, and as your proof of, Dubai is pretty transient. So. <laughs> I think what started out as something that was just Dubai-centric um, quickly became the opposite as, as people naturally sort of left. And then, you know, we wanted to maintain, or wanted me to maintain the relationship. And then, yeah, it just sort of, as a result of that, um, organically grew. And now, yeah, it's, uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep interesting working hours. But, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And I suppose just a, a bit more of a, a global perspective, because maybe people are in different countries, but to, if you are thinking about it, to find a financial advisor, speak to people, get recommendations, do your homework on it before you yeah. sign on the dotted line, I think is probably yeah. good advice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And don't just speak to one. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, Generally, the relationship's quite long. Um, you know, my clients that I took on many, many years ago are still, are still my clients and hopefully will be for, for a really long time to come because by its very nature, what you do is quite medium to long-term in planning mm. purposes for people. So if you don't actually, you know, like each other too much or don't get on, then that's going to be fairly uncomfortable for, <laughs> for a decade or too long. So I think it's important to get on. Not necessarily to be on end, but, but important to go. So I, I'd certainly test that water. But then also, it's good just to get somebody else's view, right? I, I wouldn't um, profess to be, you know, the all-seeing eye and everything all the time. And 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 just like any planning session or problem-solving session, somebody else might see it differently, and, and maybe you as an individual, maybe that resonates with you a bit more than it does the way that I would see it. So mm. I think. You know, whether if you were, I don't know, doing a house extension, you might get two or three different architects to draw you up something because they're all going to see things from a different perspective. I'd, I'd say it's probably a fairly similar um, sort of analogy to say, you know, do ask different people what they think um, and and take the view that resonates with you the, the most. But but yeah, certainly a recommendation if you can get one to, from somebody who's 
you know worked with that person already that that's that's going to be a good starting point i'd say yeah yeah good well thank you very much i think there's loads of hints and tips in there so thank you so, so much and the key ones that i'm remembering are no keeping up with the joneses and do your budgeting take care of your finances because yeah. then they can take care yeah. of you in the longer term yeah. there you go if uh <laughs> if, if people just remember those two things it'll be a better place yeah lovely thank you so much adrian no worries at all I think the key message from this episode is that once you become an expat, the onus is on you and not any other organisation that might have been helping you manage your finances up until that point. Um, I can speak about this particularly from the UK perspective moving abroad and it's important to understand what that will mean in your own country that you're moving from and particularly if you're moving from country to country and you will have different bank accounts set up, leaving a different financial trail, as it were. So to sort of take on that responsibility and to understand that seems really, really important, having had that conversation with Adrian. Um, what he spoke about, you know, not keeping up with the Joneses and budgeting and budgeting properly, it really came through as well how important it can be to work with a trusted financial advisor. You can find all of Adrian's details and some of those videos that he was referring to linked from the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can head over to my website, www.kategallowaycoaching.com to listen to more episodes or to catch up with my blog. I'd love to hear from you either on LinkedIn or through Instagram or Facebook about your own experiences of being an international career couple or if you have any questions or comments at all. Thanks for listening.